Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 269, November 19th, 2019. It's got as high as 65 degrees on this day in 1930. And two years later, 1932, it was five below. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media. John Hyde in the newsroom. Why is this goofball ripping Bob Dylan? We'll have to get to that today. Coffee shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Since it first happened, and then all of last week, and particularly at the end of the week, we have been following the case of the 75-year-old man, who asked a group of three younger guys on the bus to please keep it down. And they uh, followed him off the bus, and one of them uh, killed the guy with a punch that sent him to the pavement, and he suffered uh, a brain injury that he could not recover from. His name was Sherwa Hassan Jabril, 75 years old, and a 23-year-old Leroy Davis-Miles was arrested. Uh, It's an appalling case. We've been citing it as an example of the decline of moral and ethical integrity, uh, it was compounded by Miles and one of his friends shaking hands in a congratulatory manner after uh, Jabril hit the pavement. It's just a ridiculous case. It's just a completely senseless case. And in the story, uh, in the Star Tribune, when we learned the name, learned the name of the victim, Mr. Jabril, we also learned uh, that uh, uh, Davis Miles. Uh, was under the wing of a of a pastor named Walter McFadden, a church pastor who was a father figure of sorts during Davis Miles' younger days. McFadden's sons were five and seven, and Davis Miles was four, and his home life was dysfunctional, and McFadden's family took him in. And uh, it turns out that McFadden, Walter McFadden, is a fan of of GL and sent us an email uh, saying he'd be more than more than happy to come on. Uh, he noted to us, I am the pastor for Roy David Miles, a 23-year-old who was charged with second-degree murder of the elderly Somali man. I basically raised Roy from the time he was four. My pastor friend sent me the podcast. I'd love to answer any questions you have. I've listened to your show for many years. Blessings, Walt McFadden. And I believe uh, Reavers is getting on to it right now. And it's uh, Walter? Do I call you, should I call you Reverend? Oh, no, please don't. Walter McFadden? Just uh, tell me, Walt. Walt, uh, yes. I found the behavior of uh, Leroy Davis Miles appalling. I, I, I'm understanding that you did, too. Yes. Uh, can you make any sense of it? No, I really can't. Um, yeah, they, uh, I, I got the podcast forward from another pastor friend of mine mm-hmm. who listens to you faithfully, Michael Pilla. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, they mentioned you today. Or you know anything about this? And I said, oh, of course I do. It's a tragedy for our family. Roy grew up behind us, behind the alley. He started to hang out with us when he was four years old. So he became my my younger son's best friend. And they asked me to make a statement for the Star Tribune. And I said, um, I guess. So 15 minutes later, they called because the grandma told the Star Tribune 
that I'm the one who raised him, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't—he didn't exactly live with us, but he, for all sense of purposes, I guess we did raise him and taught him values, and of course, we're, um, you know, we're, we're believers in Jesus, and we taught him all that, and he was always open to it, hungry for it, and just was a joy. Well, I mean, just what a joy it was to have him in our lives. And um, then I made the statement of Star Tribune that, uh, you know, I'm I'm surprised by it. I'm shocked by it. Not in the sense that, I, I mean, I could see this coming. I told him this is, he was in church a couple of weeks before this incident. And I said, um, like the article said, you know, you're, you've got two strikes here. You got shot last summer, then you were in a drive-by, and the two passengers with you got shot. And, you know, your third strike, you're going to be out. And we tried to get him into a gang escape program, something like that, and mm-hmm. he chose to go back on the street. Why, do you, why, did, your yeah, fam- why did your family, in essence, uh, inherit him as a four-year-old? Oh, he just, you know, his dad was doing his thing and his mom was doing her thing. And and he wasn't the only one we inherited. We inherited a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. He was, But he was the number one. He was the kid. And at various times, we've had kids living with us six months at a time. Nothing official. We never got into foster care. But it was an absentee parent issue. He had both of his grandparents there. The, the maternal and the paternal live right next door behind us. So that that's really where he lived was with his grandmother, not with his mom or his dad. What do you mean when you say his dad and his mom were doing their thing? Does that mean they weren't around? Correct. Yeah. What, what were they doing instead of being around? That's a good question. I mean, there was alcohol, there was drugs. And his dad's pretty open about his failures. Mm-hmm. And his dad will say, I... You know, he'll say, I, I wasn't Roy's dad. Walt was his dad. Mm-hmm. Did he have siblings? So, yeah, he had two sisters. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen them for quite a while. But they were all just really sweet kids. You know, just Roy's um, African-American, Marshall, and his mom's from the Marshall Islands. So it's kind of a mix. And, you know, we always thought this kid's uh, he just he's just a a sweet-looking kid, and I look at that monk shot. <laughs> yep. I can't tell you. It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I see this happen over and over and over and over again. Why? There's no dads. There's no dads around. I totally agree with your program. But you, you, you seem satisfied that you were able to instill in him some sense of a moral and ethical integrity or values. Oh, yeah, he knows better. Is that what you're, is that? Yeah, th- so I'm, I'm wondering what would have caused this appalling behavior at the age of 23 uh, and made worse by the fact that he shook hands with one of the other guys he was with after he hit the guy. You know, it's a, it's a, a little side story. So we tried to get him into a school, a private school with my son. Hope Academy is a private Christian school in South Minneapolis. And I talked to the principal and I I said, every, you know, we really would like to see Roy get into this school. He gets back to me a week later, and he says, uh, the grades aren't there, but we can take care of that. We can put him on academic probation. But 
the discipline. He had the highest marks of discipline of anybody in Washburn High School. I said, you got the wrong kid. Mm-hmm. I never heard an ounce of disrespect out of the, toward me. I never saw any misbehaving. I mean, we're talking a lot of years. Um, you know, I, Joe, I am, I am a little mystified by this kind of Jekyll and Hyde personality out mm-hmm. of this kid. Mm-hmm. But again, something that I have seen before with other kids, you know, in, in your pre- it's like the opposite. When it's your own kid, you think, man, my kid, my kid doesn't listen to me. My kid doesn't that. But then other people tell you, oh, when your kid's over our house, they're perfectly behaved. It was kind of the opposite with, with Roy and with some of these other young guys. When they're with me, they're perfectly behaved. And then I hear all this other garbage going on in their life. I mean, some of this stuff, too, is, you know, urban terrorist. Wow. Um, was he really terrorizing the... I, I just don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that as a rhetorical question. I'm just saying, is this how bad this kid got? Mm-hmm. Was he going around terrorizing my neighborhood? Because mm-hmm. I live in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me really angry. Well, but did, it makes uh, us cheerful. Well, this is Kenny, and when the piece came out last week and I was reading your quotes, it occurred to me, and I don't really have this question formulated quite perfectly yet, but it occurred to me that somehow, some way, Roy felt the the need to get the acceptance of his peers, even if they were bad guys, he felt the need for their acceptance was more important than the family and the loving situation that you and your family provided for him. And that that's what I had a, a very hard time grasping when when he had everything that you provided for him, but yet he still turned his back on you and the church and the Lord and sought out the acceptance of his bad guy peers can can you is that what happened and can you explain that why why that is yeah i think that's a really excellent observation on your part because even as i'm kind of thinking through your comments it makes a lot of sense to me that you know ultimately there is a pull for these young men um, and it starts with the fact that when roy was about a senior in high school he got this girl pregnant well, he has no education, he has no skill, no way to make a living. So what is he going to do? He started, I guess, you know, started dealing drugs. And then he gets deeper and deeper and deeper into this lifestyle. And uh, and then you just can't, you can't pull yourself out. Yeah. You just, your, your problems mount one on top of the other. I see it all over again. You know, okay, you get the girlfriend pregnant, so you got a child, and you got all this pressure, and you have to take care of this child. <clears throat> and provide for this child, and then you do, you you know, there's uh, they're both immature. So Roy had a domestic violence against her a couple times, Mo- maybe more than that. I don't know. I know there are at least two. I just even read today the strangulation uh, that was on there, and I'm assuming that was for this girlfriend that he had, and she was a troubled girl as well. She had been kicked out of her brother's house. She couldn't live with her parents. And um, 
one problem mounts on top of the other, right? So you get the girl pregnant, and then you um, you commit violence against her, and now you've got something on your record, so you can't get a good job, and you got all this this swirl, this storm going on in your life, and you, maybe ultimately you're you're um, you have no other choice, and then the yeah. violence just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. Let's go back to the youth. Did he stay overnight at your house a lot, or did he always go back to what he thought was his house? Oh, he always stayed over at our yeah. house. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, despite your influence, you 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 seem to indicate that his problems stem most basically from the absence of the parents. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. It's the absence of the parents, but there's also there's also a culture here and this is what i think we're missing the missing piece and it's not a popular thing to say but there's a racial aspect of course we have a racist history i've spent my life fighting that but we there's also a culture that draws young african males in and um it's that culture that needs to be addressed in my opinion this um this idea that there's, you know, there's nothing. It's a, it's the glorification of this culture. It's glorified in movies. It's glorified in music. I mean, even all the white kids around me, I can't even, you know, we blush at the stuff that they listen to now. Mm-hmm. And yet we say, oh, that has nothing to do. Of course, it has something to do with it, with how your, your behavior. If those images are constantly pumped into your mind and one thing that's really struck me lately is you know now it's this we want to listen to the political opinions of athletes who are barely out of college i didn't know anything when i was 25 years old nothing at all yeah same here so walt uh it's it's reavers um you mentioned it earlier joe just alluded to it now and one thing that we've been saying on this show for quite some time time is and i think it's the strongest pinpoint of this entire issue is the absence of the father, how do we change it? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that as a, as a Christian, that's God's design from the very beginning. And the first man that walked the face of the earth failed his wife and his family. And the ultimate result of that was the first murder. Yeah. And so I'll, I commit my life to telling young men, this is, how, this is how you live and this is what you, your job is. And you're going to fight this same battle that the first man fought for the rest of your life. And the whole reason that Jesus came in the first place was to restore. And he wants to, and I came from a troubled home. So that's probably why I have some, some empathy for these young men. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to be a father. But I talked to older men, and I had some good guys come around me and rally around me, and I, I had, you know, for me, it worked for Roy, for Roy it, it didn't work. Maybe the social influences are stronger for him as an African-American male. Here's, that, the, here's the problematic question. Yeah. How many Leroy Davis miles are there out there on the streets of Minneapolis? Oh, boy. Um, Too many. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I would say this: I think there are just as many as when I started working at this 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So whatever we're trying ain't working. Well, that's got to cause you some despondency. 
Well, it should cause all of us despondency, right. Joe. It, right. that, it causes me despondency. I, I, yeah. It's awful. Yeah. As for the act itself, the day that this went down, it seems like Roy was just, I don't know, and this hasn't been written anywhere or said outright. It just seems like he was just reacting to get the acceptance of his friends and to just kind of save face. And I think that's what the handshake was all about after the uh, after the old guy hit the pavement. Uh, it was just. It seems like it was just merely um, a, a bad decision to save face and and to look. I don't know. Tough in front of your buddies. W- would you take it that way? If he was hanging out with the guys that I think he was hanging out, and I'm not sure because I haven't caught him yet. Um, those guys were living of all places. They wind up across the street from my church. Um, uh, we're on 31st Street and 4th Avenue in South Minneapolis. Oh, I know the neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, any slug could wind up being the leader of those guys because mm. they had nothing going on. I mean, just no no future, no thought, nothing. And for somebody with just a little bit of leadership, Roy was probably the ringlinger, and I, I suppose, like you're saying, he had to prove himself. Yeah. But it was such a dreadful demonstration of that kid, Roy, having no, just no ethical clarity, no moral clarity. Correct. Yeah. That, and that, that I can't, I can't understand. And, um, you know, the part for, the part for us, as we pray as a church, our part for us is to pray that Roy will get the sentence that justice requires. Mm-hmm. We're not praying that Roy gets off, that Roy gets special treatment. Although sometimes I worry that our justice system is so skewed that maybe, you know, somebody mentioned that works in prison ministry in our church Sunday, that maybe he gets charged with a hate crime for this. You know, that whole term just bugs the heck out of me. Right. They don't know what's in the intent in the heart of a person. Just give him the sentence that he deserves for this crime. In his 23 years, do you know if he ever held any type of job whatsoever? Oh, here and there, but nothing significant, no. You know, expounding on that, Joe, and and expounding on what you said earlier, Walt, I, I think you're absolutely correct. The glorification of being a bad guy, that's really bad. Nobody's nobody's singing songs or making movies about the guy that's working for the city eight hours a day, seven days a week, digging a hole, putting in a bridge, fixing fixing the street. You, you know what I mean? Working for $15 yeah. an hour. There's no glorification in, in, in working and eking out a living like the rest of us do. Yeah. You, you know, there's been nothing glamorous whatsoever about my life. You know, it, it's living paycheck to paycheck. But the great thing is, is you get to raise a family and you have wonderful friends. You're not in prison. And I, I've never seen the inside of a jail. I, you know, I'm not rich. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but... You're absolutely right. I I think the glory is being heaped on the wrong lifestyles here. Yeah, and you know, we can walk and uh, chew gum at the same time. We can address inequities in our culture, and um, at the same time, we can address that there 
are other factors at work in these young men's lives. Uh, this, I can't remember this guy's name. This, this guy is uh, the, the brain nutrition guy, and he writes all these books about young men. And he says, you know, one person blames it on video games, and then the next person blames it on marijuana, and the next person... You know, it can be any one of those factors in any young man's life, but the number one factor that I have found and I'll take this to my grave, is the absence of the father. Oh. And we know that statistically, right? Yeah. Every year yep. we hear the same thing. Right. The guys in prison, the guys on drugs, they're all there because of an absence of a father. And I, I know Roy's dad, and I love the guy, and he's redeemed his life, and he's turned things around. Um, but he wasn't there. Right. Walter, best of luck to you, and thank you very much for joining us. We'll stay in touch. Thank you, guys. Call me anytime. All right, Walter, Walt McFadden. Thank you very much, Walt. Jeez. Well, we're certainly on the same page with the pastors, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Reverend Tim, Reverend Walter. And what are they all looking for? Help. Yep. What a struggle every day for Walt. But they're doing. Day. they're out there fighting the fight yeah. every day. Uh, you know, 31st and 4th. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, that's, isn't that right by Lake Calhoun? That's no, oh, no, no. no that's, it's between Hiawatha and Lake Calhoun. It's right around thirty-five W. Yeah, all right. I know where it is. Okay, good. Thank you, Walter. We'll be back. The Joe Suchere Show. Why don't you get that to me again? The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. There we go. I spent some time with uh, Nancy and Bobby Moeller yesterday. I want you to know that the uh, holiday season has been kicked off at the uh, Gavaday store in downtown Minneapolis. That started November 15th. It will run through December 31st. You'll save 30 to 40% on all jewelry, including diamond and designer jewelry. They're even offering this deal on select watches. And then RF Moeller Jeweler is kicking off the holiday season with their Thanksgiving weekend celebration of giving. Visit the Edina or St. Paul stores November 29 through December 1st and receive $250 off your purchase of $500 or more. I've taken advantage of this. It's a really, really a life-saving holiday shopping experience. A great gift wrapping, too, and great personal service. So right now, the uh, holidays are underway at the downtown Minneapolis RF Moeller in Gavaday Common. And then Thanksgiving weekend of celebration begins November 29 at the Edina Store, 50th in France, the flagship store in St. Paul, Ford in Cleveland, and it will continue at the downtown Minneapolis store in Gavaday or more at rfmoeller.com. Why is Garrison Keeler <laughs> taking on Bob Dylan? No idea. Uh, the papers uh, in the Twin Cities uh, uh, treat Keeler with the utmost obsequiousness. Uh, he can uh, say one sentence and they'll cover it. And apparently he's got a new book out. And in his latest book, he has plenty of praise for Robert Bly, Prince, and Bill Holm. But he doesn't uh, have a kind word to say about Bob Dylan. Now and then people ask me why we didn't have Dylan on the show. Uh, Keeler writes in Living with Limericks, which was published last week. Well, the answer is because I don't care to be associated with him. That's why. 
I think that My Back Pages is one of the worst <laughs> songs ever written, he said. I could name others. It's no wonder you took a pseudonym so as to bring, uh, so as to avoid bringing shame on the Zimmerman family. Uh, because it's a book of poems, Keeler can't resist sharing one he penned in honor of the Nobel Prize winner, meaning Dylan. There is a songwriter named Bob who makes some people's hearts throb. They find a thrill <laughs> in listening to Dylan, and for me, it's more like a job. Well, good stuff, what, Gary. That's it. Hey, there once was a man from Nantucket, Gary. <laughs> do, you su- do you suppose they actually tried to get Dylan That's on? That's exactly and, what I was thinking. And Dylan snubbed him. Couldn't so this is Didn't even it. respond, exactly. Crimson Flames tried. Yeah. Crimson Flames tied through my ears, roll, uh, rolling high in mighty traps, countless with fire on flaming roads, using ideas as my maps. We'll meet on edges soon, I said, proud neath heated brown. Okay, I don't know what the words mean. <laughs> no. But I, I don't like th- the song. I don't think Bob knew what the words no. meant. It was written in 1964. What and that's what he was from he was, the top. He yeah. was putting out stuff that that were books of lyrics that you have in to look at and go, stance, huh? I aim so my I don't, hand I don't know at that. the mongrel dogs who teach, fearing not that I become my enemy in the instant that I preach. Uh, that sounds like the kind of lines Keeler would use on some woman he's trying to pick up in the workplace. What's the song I like so well? Jack, Rosemary, and the Queen of Hearts. Queen of Hearts, yeah. Yeah, I love that song. Can't you see Keeler going up to some chick and say, no. hey, Crimson Flames are tied through my ears, baby. <laughs> I'm riding high in mighty traps, countless with fire on flaming roads, using ideas as my maps. Are you impressed, honey? <laughs> the festival was over. The boys were planning for a fall. <laughs> the cabaret was quiet, except for the drilling in the wall. I, I bet you're right, Kenny. I bet Keeler stiffed him. I'm, I'm sorry, no, Dylan, Dylan stiffed Keeler. Yeah. I've I've asked uh, Gary to come on this show. I I continue to believe it would be a fascinating half hour or an hour of exchanges, and he 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 won't do it. He won't respond to Which, my. Well, it's because you are you, because he's been on with Lori and Julia a, a, yeah. a couple of times. Well, what's he afraid of me for? He can outright me any day of the week. I, I don't think he's afraid of you. I, I think he hates you. Oh. And I think he, <laughs> wow. And I think he believes that nonsense that he, he thinks he saw you rummaging through his personal stuff. And I never did. Uh, no, I believe you, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe you. Yeah. In fact, I was rummaging through the wrong house. I thought that was his house. <laughs> no. No, I didn't. Joe, I didn't. Joe, I don't trying. blame. I, I don't blame Keeler. Uh, the, the Keeler animosity goes back to years ago, when he apparently returned to St. Paul from living in New York. Right, and he left here in a huff. Did yeah. he not? I don't know if he left here in a huff, but when he came back, he got in a huff because when he came back, the St. Paul Pioneer Press mistakenly, in my estimation printed his address. You just they, you don't do that. Shouldn't have done that. You don't do that. And subsequently he accused me of, of going through his garage. Well which never happened. I, a I didn't I, I literally didn't know where he lived. Yeah. And B, even though I had the address, I mistakenly uh, did not know where he mm-hmm. lived. And B, I just I just don't do that. And for some reason he got that stuck in his craw. But uh I would love to talk to him. I mean he's been very important to the fabric of Minnesota culture. Uh, I just love to talk to him. But I'm now convinced more than ever, Kenny, that they made a big push to get Dylan on over the last 30 years, and Dylan had no time for him. It's something inside like that. Mm -hmm. Because that kind of hate for Dylan is just, it's weird. I mean, either you love him or you're like, nah, okay, whatever. 
and you move on, right? You don't mm-hmm. you don't pen a poem. No, and you don't <laughs> especially make a, a lousy one. Yeah, <laughs> don't make a point of saying I hate this song. It's the worst song ever written. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't say that just the other. <laughs> I, uh, Prince and uh, Gary seem an unlikely duo, uh, but he's he's got words of praise for Prince. Pr- probably never asked Prince to come on the show. Wasn't uh, there? There are no black people in Lake Wobegon, to the best of my <laughs> understanding. I, I, I don't think there are. I I might be wrong, but I've always been under the impression that Lake Wobegon and the inspiration for that was Freeport, Minnesota, and Charlie's Cafe where he would just wheel up 94, sit down at Charlie's Cafe in Freeport, and just start taking notes on dialect and conversation, et cetera, et cetera. So much so that I think they kind of promoted over there, and the bicycle trail, which used to run on the uh, Burlington, it runs on what was the Burlington Nor- uh, Northern Railroad line. Uh, it's named the Lake Wobegon Trail. Right, right. Well, I've always credited the guy. He built a hell of a franchise. And I also uh, tip my cap to him when he used his own money to start an independent bookstore. Uh, I, I don't know why he won't agree to come in here. It would be really fun, I would think. And uh, I don't have his phone number. All I can do is keep emailing him. and You could go over to his place. Yeah, I could knock on the door. <laughs> he could sit in the garage. <laughs> I don't even know where he lives now. He sold his uh, Summit Avenue house. You mind if I lug this equipment in here, Gary? Yeah. <laughs> do you think he? Do you, do you think he not? He doesn't want to talk about what led to his demise, because I'm not so sure that uh, I, I'm believing that he is or was as evil as they made him out to be. I, that I, was very I, very. I, I stay out of those personal things. He was he. Fancied some chick or something, and didn't it seem really bizarre and rather quick yeah. and without any kind of yeah. trial or anything? I'll tell you an interesting story about him. Uh, he he must have had quite the show business pull for young performers who were who really desperately wanted to get on that show. And I was walking down Summit Avenue one time. I did that just to irritate him in case he looked out the window. <laughs> I, I would walk down Summit, and I invariably passed his house. And about three blocks away, a, a, a young woman got out of a cab and, you know, flannel shirt, the whole deal, probably fresh from Idaho or something. <laughs> and she said, I understand Garrison Keeler lives around here. I said, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to go try to meet him. I want to be on his show. This is the true story. Hmm. And I, so I pointed. You could still see his house from where I was. And I, I said, right there, that big white one right there. And she said, oh, thank you. And I said, you be careful. He's a mean old bear. <laughs> and that's the last I ever saw or heard from her. For all I know, she's a world-famous country music It's Liz now. Fair. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's Liz Fair. <laughs> but I never knew what, uh, what became of that. Huh. Well, anyway, he's ripping. Uh, See, we don't do that where I'm from. We protect our. Uh, if somebody says, "Hey, you know where so and so lives?" Yep, wrong town, pal. No, never heard of him. <laughs> Here, four towns down. Sorry. The other thing about ripping Dylan is he's completely safe in doing that because you're not going to ever hear from Dylan. No, right. I don't no, think Bob, Bob uh, really is bothered too much by this. Does he still do his uh, serious show? Doesn't he have a show on Sirius? Who? Dylan. I have no oh, idea. No, he hasn't done that for. Boy, oh, he it's hasn't. been seven, okay. eight years. Okay. But man, these papers, they love to give the old Gary the pub. I guess he's going to do a comeback show, huh? Somewhere, but he's been saying that Pantages. for a couple of months. Uh, Pantages, November 30. He's going to reunite, <gasps> with, uh, reunite with several Prairie Home Companions November 30 for a Christmas show at Pantages. Oh, the, new show, um, the new show that uh, took the place of Prairie is just, 
in my opinion, awful. I, I don't I, listen to it. I have to admit, I really liked Prairie Home Companion. It, it, I love the feeling it gave me when I'm driving in my truck on a Saturday night listening to yeah, that. Yeah, it, I can't it was a really that. cool, old-style radio show that yeah. was a lot of fun to listen to. And not once did I want to go see it live. Yeah. I just love the radio version of it. That's because you love radio. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Hey, Why don't we come back with a height newscast? I forgot to, I got to mention something very quick, and Kenny's going to get very mad at me, but I'm willing to sacrifice that for the purposes of the show. <laughs> uh, speaking of shows, what time do you guys want to meet? For Today? What? Tonight. The Don is uh, speaking on climate change. Oh, right. I, I got to think. Right. I got to think. Yeah. I'm busy throwing I gotta, up. I got to do that thing with Joe. <laughs> I love Don. I do Shelby. Uh, I might, of, I'm serious. I might actually go. Hell of a guy. I love Don, but he's no more of a climate expert than my mother, who's dead. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> wow. So I'm not buying anything he says. I might, seriously, I might stop by because the church he's speaking at is quite literally five miles from my house. Oh, you should. I think I You might. should do it for uh, reporting, for show purposes. Hey, nah, I'll do it after about nine IPAs, <laughs> too. <laughs> the climate's always changed. What are you talking about? All right, uh, Johnny Height coming up. Play a liner, Such. <laughs> Live from the seat of Gumption County, Minnesota, here's Joe Souchere. Big, Did big... you ever think common sense would be this much fun? Jesus. Joe Souchere. You wanna, you wanna do another one while we're, while we're. Hey, at third it? time's a charm. Third time's a charm. Oh. <clears throat> here's a man who spends <laughs> hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Here's a man who was busted in Garrison Keillor's garage (laughs) going through his girly magazines. Alternative liners. I love that idea. Joe Souchere. I never got near this goofball's garage. Big, 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 big doings at DKMags.com up in New Brighton. Black, period, Friday, period. But this is cool. They're not. They're not waiting. The deals start this week, Thursday the the twenty uh, first. They run all the way through Saturday the thirtieth with extra special, not so top secret deals on Black Friday alone. They're open Black Friday, ten a.m. until five p.m. Now, instead of me preaching the gospel of DKMags.com, you've heard enough of that. Let's go to Brent of Dundas. Quick, Such. Where's Dundas? Ooh, ooh, Dundas. Ooh, Dundas ooh, is ooh. south of the metro. Right north of Fairboy between mm-hmm. Northfield and Fairville on mm-hmm. Highway 3. Reavers got it right. Bing, bing, bing. Well, I knew where it was. I said south of the metro, and home of the Dundas Dukes. Anyway, <laughs> Brent says, I just wanted to report on my last trip to DK Mags. I had never heard of them until they started advertising on GL. And now there's no other place I'll go for any of my firearm needs. All the staff is very knowledgeable and their customer service is excellent. I had barrels threaded on two of my hunting rifles and ordered a suppressor and bought a new barrel from a carry gun. I don't live close, but luckily my delivery job takes me to do to New Brighton a couple times a month. Whether you're sick of the noise out of your hunting rifle, and yeah, I my ears ring all the time. I am sick of it. Or if you just need some shiny new accessories to build what he calls a Gucci Glock. I love that term. G-U-C-C-I? Gucci Glock. Yeah, these guys have what you need. I won't be shopping anywhere else. Sincerely yours, Brent from Dundas. Uh, and as for me, I don't care if you have to come from War Road or Folda. 
DKMags.com in New Brighton and Monticello Pond and Gun, worth every mile. And the Black Friday deals, like I said, they start this Thursday and run Saturday the 30th, DKMags.com. Johnny Hype. Thanks, Joe. Uh, did you guys see, I, I thought of it because you talked about your ears ringing, the Brian Setzer story? Yes, I did. I did. He had to cancel his Christmas tour because Put he's got duct tape on his ear and it'll go oh, away. It's horrible. Put duct tape yep. on your ear? Yep. He did an interview with Dan Rather. Yeah. That Dan Rather interview, whatever, uh, the big interview. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I love Brian Setzer. I do That's too. a guy we should have on. So. He lives here now. He lives yeah. here, yes. Yeah. We I'd should love have, to have him on. Make, make him bring a guitar. What a great guy. <laughs> Stray Cats. Wonderful guitarist. Well, so much more than that. Yeah, though. I know. Brilliant jazz guitarist, too. Just wonderful player. Anyway, a Minneapolis working group has suggested the city council approve further study of the role that police play in responding to 911 drug overdose calls. The working group has recommended the city implement sending EMT to overdose victims, recode this call type to EMT only, meaning the police department uh, would only respond if EMT requests it. But drug and alcohol counselor Randy Anderson told our TV guys downstairs he understands it's only a recommendation to study the possibility of implementing it and says he's not in favor of even having the discussion. Anderson told 5 Eyewitness News this is a matter of seconds, not minutes, as to whether a life can be saved during an overdose. If there's now a moment where a conversation has to be had to determine if a police officer should respond or an EMT, I guarantee a life at some point will be lost. Who, remind me, who said that? Who was the quote? Uh, that is from Randy Anderson, a drug and alcohol counselor. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Andrea Larson, a city coordinator with Minneapolis, said the idea is simply in its early stages. There are a lot of ideas and thoughts being explored right now to improve any 911 response. The city council will likely take a vote on the question on the study sometime after the 2020 budget is adopted in December. Just give the cops happy pens and be done with it. Stop with your stupid studies. Mm-hmm. I think I might open this up to, uh, to a Twitter forum, but I like this idea that Kenny proposed of alternative... Uh, garage logic liners. A man who can't make a three, Joe Souchere. <laughs> I think I'm going to start writing a bunch of these and taking Twitter suggestions. Can't make a three or an eight. Gas or electric? He doesn't know. No, Joe Souchere. No. What the Gas hell? or electric? You got a fifty-fifty shot. <laughs> what the hell is that smell, yeah. Joe Souchere? <laughs> Police are investigating after a man allegedly stole a vehicle while a child was in the backseat in Robbinsdale. It happened uh, 7.32 in the morning on Monday. A woman was at the Hy-Vee store in Robbinsdale, was putting air in the vehicle's tires. Man got in the vehicle and drove off with her four-year-old in the backseat. Police said the suspect briefly stopped a short time later and the child got out of the car before the suspect drove out of the parking lot and onto 36th Avenue North. Officers found the vehicle abandoned a short time later in Golden Valley. Officers also found a stolen vehicle was dropped off by the same person in an adjoining parking lot just prior to that incident. The child not injured. Anyone with information asked to contact the Robbinsdale Police Department. So that's how he gets around town. Yeah, just for hops in a car and you know, drives a few blocks. And- well, at least he let the kid out. Yeah. A Western New York man has pleaded guilty to threatening to kill U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota. Patrick Carlinio entered the plea Monday in Rochester to charges that carry up to 10 years in prison. His lawyer, Sonia Zoglin, said Carlinio has taken responsibility for using threatening language to express his beliefs, but he never intended to harm Omar. Carlinio's sentencing is set for February. 
South Dakota's new anti-meth campaign. I'm on it, dude. Featuring people of different ages. <laughs> That's a bad r- turn of phrase. It really is. Jeez. Featuring- got the 80-year-old farmer yeah. in his cowboy hat. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> the anti-meth campaign features people of different ages and races saying, I'm on meth. It's prompting some online laughter and criticism. Governor Christy Noem on Monday launched the nearly half-million-dollar campaign to increase awareness of South Dakota's oh. methamphetamine epidemic. The campaign includes a new TV they ad. spent half a mil Half a mil ad. with an ad agency. <laughs> oh, my God. New Meth. T- I'm on it. Oh new TV oh, you ad. You know what? I would have taken care of that for 100 k Easily. Easily. We could have split it. <laughs> Jeez. TV ad, billboards, posters, and a website are featured in the campaign. The campaign's motto is, Meth, we're on it, is superimposed over the state of South Dakota outline. Noam says South Dakota's meth problem is growing at an alarming rate. The Argus Leader reports a Minneapolis marketing agency created the campaign. South Dakota's Department of Social Services paid the agency four hundred forty-nine grand this fall, according to the state finances website. Did they name the uh, ad agency? They, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes uh, some of the most creative people don't work at ad agencies. <laughs> One top national security aide who listened to President Trump's July call with Ukraine's president called it improper. Another called it unusual. The two testified Tuesday morning at House impeachment hearings. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, an Army officer at the National Security Council, and Jennifer Williams, his counterpart at Vice President Mike Pence's office, said they both had concerns as the president spoke with the newly elected Ukrainian president about political investigations into Democrat Joe Biden. The two led off a pivotal week featuring testimony from nine witnesses as the House's impeachment inquiry accelerates. Democrats say Trump's pressure on Ukraine to investigate Biden while withholding U.S. military aid that Ukraine needed to resist Russian aggression may be grounds for removing the 45th president. The president said he did no such thing. It's come to this. The U.S. Army, according to the Wall Street Journal, is prepared to move Colonel Vindman and his family onto a military base in the area to ensure their security if it is determined that they are in physical danger. Army security officials in recent weeks conducted a security assessment at Colonel Vindman's request, reviewing both his and his family's physical security and their online security, according to U.S. officials. Army security officials have also been monitoring Colonel Vindman and his family around the clock to make sure there are no intimate threats. The Army will make sure he's safe, and the Army is actively supporting any safety needs as deemed necessary, an official said. It's hard that he has been catapulted into the public eye. He served his country honorably for 20 years, and you can imagine this is a tough situation for him and his family. Isn't that something? Yeah. This is the United States, and we're worried about the, the for this fellow's safety? Yeah. He's been under attack by Trump, as well as various Fox News personalities and CNN analysts, Sean Duffy, and other Trump allies. Yeah. Well, they were going after him still this morning, so mm-hmm. as he testified. So, a uh, weird, weird story. A suspect in the slaying of a Minnesota man whose remains were found in West Virginia has confessed in a letter to court officials and documents show he married his daughter after the killing. What the what? The Bluefield Daily Telegraph reports 55-year-old Larry Paul McClure Sr. said in a November 4th letter he took part in the killing of 38-year-old John Thomas McGuire of Minnesota, who was his daughter's boyfriend. When was this? The letter goes into detail about how McGuire was hit in the head, injected with methamphetamine, and strangled. 
What? McClure and his daughters, 31-year-old Amanda Naylor McClure, 32-year-old Anna Marie Chowdhury, have been charged with murder. A criminal complaint says nearly four weeks after the slaying, Larry and Amanda McClure married each other. West Virginia State Mm. Police Trooper Cam Sadler said additional Mm. charges could be filed. Do us a favor, John. Don't ever read another story like that again, ever. Ever? Ever. Ever. And stop ripping Trump. Do you have my my noise from Ontario? So confusing and wrong. I don't want it right now, but I'm going to have it coming up. My God, you've asked a hundred times today. Stop it. I I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) What's your motivation for reading that story, John? Why would you do that? Well, it's a a very strange story, and, uh, you know, it's newsworthy. It was a Minnesota man that got killed. when When did the murder take place? It took place earlier this year. I don't have a date. I'm sorry. And he married his daughter. Is the other daughter jealous that she wasn't married? I, that is not in the story, Kenny. I'm not It'd sure. It's been a hell of a fun wedding, huh? That is weird. I'm just going to be quiet. And I'm holding back a gigantic cheap shot that I'm not going to take. Thank you. At me? No. I'm holding in a fart. <laughs> uh, did you guys see the clip of the, the congressman? Speaking of flatulence? Yes. Yes. What'd you make? It sounded he, fake almost. He let one go. Yeah, he was sitting on a whoopee cushion. It was, was just sitting there or was it a walk It was a stand-up there at CNN. Somebody in the studio was yeah. interviewing him. And he's it was a congressman. He's going, I never, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, he just got loose. And yeah. then he just kept talking. He broke yeah. the wind. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was terrible. All right. Well, how's Royce you say it? Cut the wind? Yeah. yeah. Cut the wind. Yeah, he cut the wind. <laughs> something, something. He cut the wind. Something very rural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something. <laughs> He broke the cheese or cut yeah. the wind or something. Sheriff's investigation. <laughs> I purposely didn't bring it up to avoid those kinds of noises. Oh, I'm sorry. I still yeah. can't avoid it. That's my fault. Yeah, that's that's going to happen. It's Kenny's fault. He started it. Yeah, Kenny. Sheriff's investigators say a suspicious package flagged during the screening process at Florida's Daytona Beach International Airport turned out to be a bottle of lotion. The incident resulted in an evacuation of passengers and workers from the airport at about 6.15 Tuesday morning. Airport officials gave an all-clear more than an hour later, resuming normal operations. Volusia County Sheriff's Office posted a statement online thanking people for their patience and saying the object of concern was a bottle of lotion. Sheriff spokesman Andrew Gant said in an email he's not sure how many people were actually evacuated. A lot just stood out on sidewalks outside after being ordered to leave the terminal. In Australia, a Sydney hoarder was trapped for over 14 hours when the garbage inside her house fell on top of her. (laughs) Fire and rescue crews were forced to break through a side window to gain access to the Canley Vale House. And the uh, firefighters themselves almost got crushed by the masses of garbage from floor to ceiling. The woman's husband, who sleeps in his car outside because of the mess in the house. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, he's taken a step further than we have, as he joked. Yes, he has. <laughs> Raised the alarm when he couldn't get a hold of his wife by calling her on her cell phone. I am stuck in a pair of handcuffs. Presented a serious challenge to the occupant's health and rescue was difficult, said Fire and Rescue's John Moore. The situation was so extreme, firefighters used the same earthquake training used while looking for survivors after an earthquake in New Zealand. Wow. Among the garbage dug through, magazines from the 1980s and food that had expired in the 1990s. Oh, heck. In Georgia, CBS... If you were going to go to that extreme and sleep Uh outside, why wouldn't you just leave? But they found her? 
Yeah, they, she's, she's fine. all right. She she was just trapped underneath. She's any she's fine. Any now. does this give her any resolve to maybe throw some things away, make make room so hubby can I, move back I, in? I doubt it. I doubt or it. Or maybe she's doing it to get him to leave. Yeah, you never know. Make him sleep in the car. Sexually charged letters between James Bond author Ian Fleming and his wife Anne are being put up for auction. Gross. Part of a part of a collection of correspondence that also charts the success of his 007 books. They first met back in 1934 when Anne was married to her first husband, but they didn't tie the knot until 1952. That would be the year Fleming wrote Casino Royale, his first novel about the fictional Did you have spy. a whole list of failed James Bond movie titles? We did at one point. We did. The Man with the Golden One. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. The Spy Who... The spy, uh, I providing her seek from provide never mind. Yeah. <laughs> the letters reveal the intensity of their relationship, especially before they got married. In one, Anne wrote to ask Fleming to quote, put me in your bed with a raw cowhide whip in my hand so I can keep you well behaved for forty years. Well, I'd bid on that. The, col- the collection contains more than one hundred and sixty letters written by both of them, and they figure when they hold the sale December third through the tenth. They'll get up to three hundred eighty-five grand. Well, who's total. who's exercising this on whose behalf? Yeah, are they hard up for money? Uh, boy, that's a good question. That wasn't. Well, why uh, would you do this? Uh, why would a family member want to expose these letters that were private between him and his wife? Why would you do that? They only had one kid, and I, I remember reading because I had to go look up his uh, his background. And well, I, I think it's tawdry. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Did they uh, take any pictures of their private parts and send it to each other? Gabriel Heaton, books and manuscript specialist at Sotheby's Auction House, said the correspondence offered an unmatched record of Fleming's life and career. Letters began when he was working. Now, you might remember he was a big intelligence fellow during World War II. Mm-hmm. They cover his journalism career and his creation of Bond, including time spent writing at his GoldenEye estate in Jamaica. Their correspondence describes a life of glamour and privilege, but also... As the years progress and increasing bitterness in their life together, pretty good line from the wife here in one of her letters. You ready? You mentioned bad old bachelor days. The only person you stopped sleeping with when they ceased was me and complained in one letter. Yeah, shut up, you old nag. Oh, that was a pretty good line. Uh, Fleming also describes the extraordinary process of writing a Bond book a year. I've written a third of it in one week, he wrote in one letter, a chapter a day. I expect I shall get stuck soon, but to date it goes well and interests me. He wrote of what would become from Russia with love. He said the first half is about Russia, and that has always interested me. They have decided to murder Bond. No, yeah. thanks, have you, John. Have you read the Bond books? Sure. Mm, no. I, I, I've never read any. Sure. No. I much prefer the film versions. Yeah, yeah. I've never read the books. Uh, some hunters in Ontario discovered something terrifying, and you're all going to hear it in a moment. Ooh. Ricey here with the Canopy Group Facts. Number one, the Canopy Group writes more new business in one month than a captive insurance agent writes in three years. How is that possible? Let's share other facts to answer that question. Number two, the Canopy Group offers 16 different insurance companies, not just one. Number three, the Canopy Group offers combined single limit coverage, not split limit coverage. Number four, the Canopy Group offers only one 
one deductible at claim time, not two or three or four or more. Number five, at renewal, the Canopy Group shops your insurance with their 15 other companies every year. Captives can't do this because they have only one company. So if you have your insurance with one of the captive agents, remember they don't have any other options for you. Call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. You cannot stop him. You just make a move. So I've got some good advice for a buddy of mine about some dinner ideas. Yeah, I'm talking about 30 bales in Hopkins. You know what you can do? Check out their happy hour first. It goes from 3 to 6 p.m. every Tuesday through Friday. A lot of uh, items that are $5 or less. It's a fantastic happy hour. Or here's what you need to do. Like Tom did over the weekend, check out their brunch from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's 30 bales, downtown Hopkins. Check this out. Reavers, hey. Great suggestion, by the way. My wife had the traditional breakfast while I opted for the farmer's hash, which I have also had. It's spectacular. The sleeper was definitely the lemon ricotta pancake. How delicious. Just wanted to let you know about our experience. Thank you so much. We love the GL podcast. Thank you, Tom. 30bales.com is their website. When you go there, make sure you check in with Todd or Tom and let them know that you heard about it on the GL podcast. They're a scratch Midwest kitchen. You will not be disappointed. Check them out today. 30 Bales and Hopkins. Mr. Souchere. When uh, Ontario Canada hunter Gino Mikas hit the woods October 30th. I'm sorry, October 3rd of this year, just a month and a half ago. He was hoping to uh, bag a few rustled grouse. Ruffled? Ruff- what did I say? Ruffed. Ruffed grouse, right. right? With his wife and his grandson. We just say rough grouse. While uh, every hunt presents the possibility of seeing some big game animals walking around or making some noise, no one could ever foresee something like this happening. We've never heard anything like this before, he told Canadian TV News in an interview. Uh, it was more it was more bassy than anything I've ever heard scream before. The group was walking a trail back to their car along the Vermilion River near Sioux Lookout when they first started hearing strange howling sounds. At first, Mikas considered the possibility of it being a moose or a bear, uh, but it said it sounded too deep. Our biologists say it could be a larger mammal, for example, a wolf, but because of a considerable distance from the recorder, there is no way to be certain. Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry spokesperson Jolanta Kowalski told CTV News. Most of the comments on Mikas's YouTube point to Bigfoot or Sasquatch, uh, but chances are it was a larger mammal, likely in some kind of pain. Uh, Mika says there's no way to ever know for sure what it was they heard that day. Here's what they heard. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) All morning long. All morning long. You got that sound? You got that sound? All morning long. (laughs) Here, hold on. Woof. Boy. I'm just kidding. I had to Really? Are you kidding? Oh, I thought that was a sound. (laughs) You got that sound? Can't you make it louder? That's as loud as it'll go. Sounds like whale sounds. I could fall asleep to this. 
It is eerie. Oh. Huh. What? It's cranked. That's as loud as I could make it that go. Did, that didn't work. Well, he's about, a, <laughs> he's about a mile and a half away from whatever it is. And then when you listen to that, and I looked up Sioux Lookout in uh, Ontario, there's not a lot going on up there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of lakes and uh, very few roads, and I could see why they'd be freaked out by that. And it's it didn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. No, that's why I tried to play it, and it I didn't, mean, didn't elk, seem to work out. Elk well. have their own crazy howl thing going, and like like he said, wolves and coyotes, but. That's nothing I've ever heard. Well, before. Uh, when I heard it, it was more distinct. Uh, it, it must have lost something. Uh, and so, in the translation, is he speculating on on what he thinks it might no, be? No, uh, uh, Jordy uh, believes it was Vikings fans <laughs> after the first half. Right? <laughs> Did we really go all that way for that punchline? <laughs> no. I, I love stories like that. You know what it reminded me of? The uh, What's the pass in Russia where the uh, Ural? The no, the pass in Russia where the uh, the uh, young people in tents were savaged and died. Oh, it's right. Yeah, uh, the forward pass. No, it was uh, <laughs> Dovnik, Dobny, Dabnol uh, uh, Pass. No, I believe or, it was called the This Two Shell. D y a t l o v. Diatlov. Yep. Diatlov. Yeah. Back in the fifties. Yep, nine people killed. Uh, Kenny, uh, Northern Ural Mountains, so at least you had the part of it right. Barry Schalkel writes, Joe, having one of your best guests ever in Jason D. Hill, we return back to the failed academy where the kids are not being taught, but indoctrinated. As often the case, this indoctrination is an additional source of the breakdown of moral and ethical clarity. This is evidenced by a Texas teacher who says parents should not have the final say in school drag queen events then blast their misguided, bigoted views, and he attacked the parents' archaic religious beliefs. He further stated that he believes raising a child is the responsibility of the community and that parents should not have the final say. Let's be honest, some of you don't know what's best for your kids. And he linked me to a piece, uh, a Texas teacher says parents should not be able to stop schools from hosting drag queen events. Willis High School English teacher Anthony Lane took to Facebook to scold parents who out, were outraged that a drag queen performer had been, had been invited to the school to instruct students how to apply makeup in a cosmetology class. In a post that has since been removed, Lane allegedly said the school's parents were beholden to misguided, bigoted views that were driven by their archaic beliefs. Uh, of Lane's alleged post in a scrimmage can be found below. Uh, I believe that raising a child is the responsibility of the community and parents should not have the final say. Let's be honest, some of you don't know what is best for your kids. Wow. Uh-huh. Oh, parents wow. believe they should be able to storm the school in the name of political and religious beliefs if something happens in the school that they are morally opposed to. They forget that we make a promise to prepare their children to live in a diverse world. We are not required to protect the misguided, bigoted views of their parents. If you want your children educated with your values, find a private school that will do it. The public education system is not here to serve your archaic beliefs. Uh, Lane also spoke in favor of the event at a school hearing on the matter where he reportedly tied objections to the drag queen's appearance to homophobia. I think as a district, we need to make an initiative to teach our kids to be tolerant and respectful. 
The controversy began when a teacher invited a drag queen named Lynn Adonis DeVu to address a cosmetology class at Willis High School. Let me stop right there. My first sign of a, a, a problem here is why in the hell is there a cosmetology class in a public high school? <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> the school district, which is approximately 40 minutes north of Houston, told parents they were unaware the performer would be appearing in full drag. School administrators learned at the end of the day that the man was wearing jeans but also wore heels and makeup. However, the speaker did as asked, which was to talk to students about makeup application. Uh, the guest speaker did not discuss sexual orientation, lifestyle, or anything other than the makeup application. Well, the speaker did what the speaker was paid to do. At least one local school administrator and several parents were angered by the school's decision to invite Adonis DeVu to campus. I put numerous calls into the administrator's office, which, of course, they made it abundantly clear they will not talk about it, said Dale Inman. I've got a problem when somebody with a false name enters a school and has advertised himself as an adult exotic dancer. No one would be allowed in a school under those circumstances, Inman added, while noting Adonis uh, Adu, uh, Devu is free to do what he wants in his personal life. As a parent, I have a right to know what's, in, what's going on in that school building, he said. All right. I, I don't Not according th- to the teacher, you don't. I don't think guilt needs to be laid on the... the performer or what was his name adonis devu yeah I, I don't think guilt should be laid on adonis's shoulders it's not no, his it's, fault it's the english teacher i'm citing it's the english teacher who believes that a parent raising any concerns is merely exercising just, what the teacher calls an archaic belief it's just insane it's just it's just incredible to me well it's barely worth commenting on because yeah. it's so dumb yeah well but uh, it, i bet you it's prevalent I'll bet you that attitude that I'm smarter than you are, you know. Well, that's one of the reasons the the Academy has so miserably failed. Yeah. Uh, Steve Mulholland writes, Hail the Flashlight King. Hail you. For my count, I believe we have gone three Fridays in a row with no scramble. Mm. Uh, is that yeah. going to continue because Secrets. we can't play the Frank can't music? can't play the Frank Secrets. music. I thought we explained that yeah, numerous that times. Yeah. Stacy, the GL geologist, says reporting is outside my realm, but I was laughing and yelling this morning. This is dated uh, Saturday when she was listening to the podcast, listening to Friday's podcast. I remember the story as well. It seems like it was over a week ago, but it looks like just a couple of days. I'm with you, Joe, and that was the Krispy Kreme guy getting his vehicle oh, upgraded. Yeah. And you guys poo-pooed me. We did, yeah, <coughs> and we were proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember. Here's that. another one, Richard Hall. <laughs> uh, the article saying he was getting his transit van was November 13th. We were talking about it on the 15th. Uh, was huh. right again. The mayor was right. Yeah. <laughs> Hail the flashlight kid! Hail you! On a recent show, you were trying to come up with a fitting Northland alternative for the term hillbilly. The one I am familiar with is perfect. Jack Pine Savage. The local newspaper where I grew up, the Park Rapids Enterprise, even runs an annual Jack Pine Savage contest to find the best lookalike. With a few years of inattention to his beard and the addition of an ear flap hunting hat, Kenny could be a contender. Day from Alexandria. Billy Stein sent me the same thing. It's Jack Pine Savage. Yeah. Jack Pine Savage. Can, can, yeah. May, may, I, may, may I ask a question? No, sure. No. Well, that's fine. I don't mind getting coins thrown in the scam bucket. I don't know what the Jack Pine reference is because there's a brewery called Jack Pine Brewery. I think it's a reference to the pine trees. Oh, yeah. I thought maybe Jack Pine was some guy that mm-hmm. you know. Why don't you go to the Google Reavers? That's all over. Well, the, yeah, it is. I just know. did. It's all over the place on the Google. Yeah, I never heard of it. Oh, good. Then it wasn't a dumb question. Yeah, uh, borderline. <laughs> 
Joe, it's your atheist friend Rob again, and I just wanted to say the podcasts just keep getting better despite rookies' best efforts. Of course, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's beautiful. And, that's just beautiful. And thanks for being a beacon of hope in some dark times. I found your recent story about Annie and her atheist caravan pretty amusing. It did, however, make it even more clear to me that she is painting a lot of us in a very bad light. If the sheriff or police chief wants in God we trust on his cars, so be it. Our law enforcement friends have enough to deal with, so give them a break. The only thing that would terrify me in that case would be if they started dragging out a Bible for sentencing guidelines when they pulled you over. I doubt that's happening, so I think we're all fine. I've been putting a lot of thought into your discussion about the increase in downtown crime, specifically near the light rail terminals. I just found that my middle son's girlfriend takes the bus to school in Dinkytown, and I am concerned for her safety. I mentioned previously that the crumbling of society's moral compass has driven me to obtain a carry permit, which I have done. I've done my due diligence and put a lot of time into training. I also visited DK Mags, so Kenny should be pleased. Thank you. As a side note for Kenny, I'm really torn between a 9mm and a 45 ACP. I imagine Kenny would say, just buy them both. (laughs) Even though I live in the Anoka Ramsey area and don't get downtown much, I would still be very hesitant these days. I'm not easily intimidated. I'm about 6 feet, 260, and heavily tattooed with a long gray beard, sort of like Santa coming out of Rikers. Even so, <laughs> even, I don't think I'd mess with that. Even so, these youth have no concept of human life and seemingly cannot display any degree of compassion nor empathy. Well, we just talked to Walt McFadden about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thought really struck me, uh, and I think John and Joe will understand this as a reflection of the era in which they were raised. In the 50s, young guys seemed to have an item that they couldn't leave the house without having, an item that really helped to define them. That simple item was a comb. In order to slick back the hair or touch up that pompadour, you had to have a comb and you felt naked without it. These days, it seems to be a cell phone for most people. Folks believe they cannot function without it. Unfortunately for these young men committing crimes, that item is now a handgun. I truly think it is so ingrained in their minds to have one at all times uh, that they would easily say, hey guys, I have to go back inside quick, forgot my piece. This makes me very sad as I don't think there's any way back from that. Once you start down that road, the road is difficult. As a 20-year-old, I only had to make sure I had keys, sunglasses, and my wallet as I walked out the door. Of course, I was headed to work, so that's a big difference. As you say, Joe, no law or program can give them moral clarity, especially if there's no reinforcement at home. Just a thought. And for Johnny, I frequent Mancetti's. Up here, great food. After writing this, I'm feeling a bit triggered. So I'm heading to my safe space, my garage, to pet my therapy animal, my black lab, and enjoy a nice cigar. I may also need to fire up a brat from Grunhofer's. I think we call this in GL relaxing. Keep up the good work, you guys, and thanks for all you do. He referenced uh, Grunhofer's there. I want to give you a phone number. He seems like a cool guy. Uh, we've never heard from him he before, writes, have we? He writes frequently. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, great guy. Yeah. Just a minute. I got this from David Bliss. Uh, Grunhofer, I'm going to give you a phone number for Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. Why would we need a phone number? 651. 651. 426. 426. 2800 because that's how to book your fresh, free-range turkey raised in the cool, clear air of northern Minnesota. $2.99 a pound and sizes from 10 pounds to 26 pounds. And you know perfectly well this will be the best turkey you've ever had in your life. Uh, And also what's on... uh, 
uh, in favor right now. We've all tried it. Did you have your meatloaf over the weekend? I did. I cooked it, it great. Saturday night. I had half of it Saturday night and the other half yeah. last night. Grunhofer's pre-made meatloaf. It's oven ready. And they also have spices and high temp cheese for venison sausage making. Uh, find out what other GLers have discovered. There is no better meat market than Grunhofer's old-fashioned meats, chicken brats and chicken and beef kebabs and ring sausage and pastrami and smoked salmon and chuck roasts and burgers and ribeye burgers and rookie burgers and 130 different pork brat flavors. These are lean pork brats that must be grilled and not boiled. It's just a fantastic, fantastic meat bazaar. And right now, book your turkey. 651-426. Now, you don't book a turkey. I guess you reserve a turkey. <laughs> 651-426-2800. Uh, those are two ninety nine a pound from 10 pounds to 26 pounds, and they are fresh, free-range turkeys raised in the cool, clear air of northern Minnesota. The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. Hey, before we get to Johnny, do you recall last week we spoke about the University of Virginia uh, withholding a 21-gun salute for Veterans Day? Yes. Because they thought that would cause panic among the children. Uh, they've now reinstated that. Good. They came to their senses. Yeah. Uh, University of Virginia President Jim Ryan said prior to this year's Veterans Day that the salute would be disruptive to classes and unfortunately, with gun violence in the U.S., there was some concern that we would cause panic if someone heard gunshots on the grounds. Uh, but they got so much uh, feedback that they said, uh, we're reconsidering this and it'll be back for next year's Veterans Day. Isn't when they do that, don't they instruct the shooters to fire? Isn't it fire, yeah. bang, mm-hmm. yeah. fire, bang? But you're dealing with snowflakes, so you got to be really careful. But it's going to be okay now. Everything's going to be at. No, they're going to be okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. (laughs) Here's Johnny. Thanks, Joe. The former mayor of both Superior and Duluth have been booked into the, uh, has been, excuse me, it's just one person, has been booked into the Douglas County Jail on a possible probation violation. The jail roster shows 63-year-old Herbert Bergeson was booked into jail November 12th. He was sentenced late last year to one year of supervision after crashing his car and leaving the scene of an accident in February 2018. Not clear how he allegedly violated his probation. Uh, Bergeson was the mayor of Superior from 1987 to 1995 and then became mayor of Duluth. From 2004 to 2008. Hmm. That's weird. Mm-hmm. The Needle Doctor has closed after four Are decades. Are you kidding me? No, I saw wow. the story. I was quite Where is surprised. that? Dinkytown? It was in St. Louis Park. It oh. opened in Dinkytown 40 years ago. Yeah. Used him many times. I have also. They, uh, he moved to St. Louis Park in 2010. Needle Doctor specialized in turntables and built a far-reaching reputation for carrying a wide array of turntable components, including record player needles and styluses. Jerry Raskin is the fellow who uh, founded the place and ran it. He confirmed Monday he shuttered the shop's Excelsior Boulevard storefront in recent weeks and is no longer fulfilling orders placed through his website, needledoctor.com. He's 62 now, and he says he's retiring to focus on making art. He said he recently underwent radiation treatments and chemotherapy for tongue cancer, which he described as brutal. He said, it's really a matter of the heart. My heart just wasn't there. The money was good, though. I can tell you that. 
Raskin estimated the needle doctor did about 90% of their sales online. Well, that vinyl was making the big comeback. It is. But apparently he doesn't want to screw around anymore. Why wouldn't? I wonder why somebody wouldn't want to That's, pick it up. Well, Thank you. Thank you. well, let me let me continue with that story. I might story. have a notion. Well, that kind of online. Hey, yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me, <laughs> Joe? We need a loan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of online visibility could make the business attractive to a buyer. Raskin said he's not quite ready to sell or part with the name. He said he has fielded some inquiries already, but he said, quote, I'm not in a big hurry to sell anything. If I was desperate for cash or something, maybe I'd do it differently. Raskin said he had fewer than 10 employees when the business closed. He owns the building at 6006 Excelsior Boulevard, uh, where the Needle Doctor was located. You guys know a lot of local musicians. Would they be interested in acquiring this I'm sure place? one of those employees would. I would think so, yeah. Because yeah. Somebody... if it's still making that much money, why wouldn't they want to keep it open? You would assume the employees are yeah. nuts about it, too. Yeah, they're, yeah so. they're passionate. They're not just passionate. Not, Thank you. Better word than nuts. A, not just a job. You know, they love it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sell it to one of them. Two correctional officers responsible for guarding Jeffrey Epstein the night he killed himself have been charged with falsifying prison records. Guards Toval Noel and Michael Thomas were accused in a grand jury indictment Tuesday morning of neglecting their duties by failing to check on Epstein for nearly eight hours and of fabricating log entries to show they had been making checks every 30 minutes. Prosecutors allege that instead of making their required rounds, the two guards sat at their desks, browsed the Internet, and walked around the unit's common area. During one two-hour period, the indictment says, both appeared to have been sleeping. The charges against the officers are the first in connection with uh, with the death of Epstein in August at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York, where he had been awaiting trial on sex trafficking charges. The city's medical examiner ruled Epstein's death a suicide. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors no. said no. prosecutors said surveillance cameras confirmed no one else entered the area in which he was housed. A message left with union officials representing the guards was not immediately returned. So the guards were given envelopes full of cash and told to go to sleep for a while. And then uh, and then someone came in and suicided him. Someone, somebody came in and made him dead. That's one version, yes. Mm-hmm. That's just a version. <laughs> sure would be interesting to find out. It really would. Especially who is behind those envelopes of cash. A private liberal arts college in Minnesota is removing its founder's name from a campus building after students brought attention to his views from the 1800s. Do I have to call out this reporter? This reporter made me so mad this morning. St. Paul or Minneapolis? Minneapolis, Emma Nelson. The Board of Trustees from McAllister College in St. Paul announced Monday that Edward Duffield Neal's name will be removed from Neal Hall, as well as from a room in another campus building. Neil Hall will be known by its former name, Humanities Building, until a committee chooses a new name. McAllister President Brian Rosenberg said in a school statement, the students' extensive research into Neil's racist writings prompted college leaders to act. McAllister's student newspaper, the Mac Weekly, published a special issue last month that highlighted Neil's racist writings about Indians and his opposition well, to co-education. Well, it, it might shock the people at McAllister, but most of us don't get the Mac newspaper. It would have been nice if either one of the Twin Cities newspapers would have been provided examples Jeez. of this guy's uh, racism. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. This, where did you learn your job? This is awful reporting. They're not in kids. Your work's not done. You're not going to be done until it's just Building A, B, C, and Building. One, two, four, six. Oh, it's blue, it's blue line, green line, yeah. terminal one, no. terminal two. No, it's no. what the world is. 
What? Joe, the story of the red line in Seattle that I sent you. Yeah, they uh, they can no longer call it the red line because somebody complained and power washed that because it's evocative of when when redlining kept blacks from living in certain neighborhoods. Oh. So they power power washing the term red. The America. name red. The uh, it's interesting you two had that reaction to the story because I had the same exact reaction reading it in the Star Tribune. You never find out, so I had to go online and do some research. Well, help me. I didn't have time well, to. Well, basically, he, was... he thought they were savages. He thought they didn't belong with white people. Oh, go back to our first gov- first territorial governor. Yeah, it's all the, uh, and the know. first governor of the state. Yeah. That's everybody that founded this this the area up here. It's everybody. That's why this, the work's never done for these kids until it's building A, B, C, and D. Educate us. Tell us the good he did. Tell us the bad he did. Educate mm-hmm. us. Don't just whitewash this away, you dumb moron kids. I mean, you, when are they going to realize that, that? And he was a man, he was a, a man of clergy, right? Yes. Yep. As were many of these people, these early settlers and the founders of this territory and state. And they all spoke like that. Mm-hmm. It, it was awful. You know how they used to say, "Forget it, it's Chinatown." Yeah. Forget it, it's McAllister. McAllister. But it's such an it'd be such an opportunity an opportunity to educate right. our suits. Right. Tell us both sides. Tell us everything. It's the same way they blew it with Calhoun. Mm-hmm. You know, just throw up a few big signs and plaques. Educate us. Tell us tell us what went down. That doesn't signal your virtue strongly enough. Jeez. <laughs> oh, the Salvation Army has responded to Chick-fil-A's announcement that the fast food chain's charitable arm will not be no, uh, donating to the faith-based organization oh. in 2020, despite providing donations to the organization for several years. In a statement, the Salvation Army said it was saddened by the news. The Christian organization and Chick-fil-A itself have been criticized for their stances toward same-sex marriage and other issues affecting the LGBTQ community, with many accusing the brands of being anti-LFBTQ. What's the F? I don't know, but they don't seem like oppressed groups anymore. To me, this uh, seems like their first marketing error. They were just doing gangbusters, doing just what they're doing. Salvation Army does a lot of good work for the homeless. Mm-hmm. I Why mean, they a, cave? A lot of good work for the homeless. They've been so steadfast and and pushing back these yeah. over the last many years. Why did they finally cave? I don't know, but I say it's because a marketing error. People were still flocking to their stores. Yeah. Chick-fil-A made the announcement Monday that it would no longer be providing donations to the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. uh, They said in a statement, We urge the public to seek the truth before rushing to ill-informed judgment and greatly appreciate these partners and donors who ensure that anyone who needs our help feels safe and comfortable coming through our doors. According to the Salvation Army website, which has a page dedicated to the services it provides to the LGBTQ community, the charity embraces people regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Uh, Chick-fil-A announcing, uh, well, it's the same paragraph, never mind. That's the same one, same paragraph. Don't read it again. Hell, got that story from Joe. Thanks, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't, I've got a lot of gay and lesbian friends, and I don't feel, and I'm not getting from them, that they think there's a war on them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, and I, I just don't see it with my own eyes, but, you know, whatever. Salvation Army did a lot of good. Gladys wheel gets the squeak. No. The other way around. Squeakiest wheel gets, gets the, the grease. Gets the grease. There you go. There you go. Can't put food on your family. Can't put food on your family. <laughs> We have the list uh, of toys 
topping the Consumer Safety Group's list of worst toys for the holidays. Bag we are, glass. thought we already did this. The World Against Toys Causing Harm, did we? I think so, but do it again. No, I think we did the uh, Toy Hall of Fame recently. Yeah, we did the Toy Hall of Fame, oh. yep. Uh, the ones that they say caused the most harm this year, a Nerf dart gun, mm-hmm. an ice cream... Shoot your eye out, I suppose. Ice cream scented Nickelodeon slime. Yeah, we have that in our house. And a plastic Power Rangers claw among the toys. Uh-huh. Where's Bag of Glass? Is that on there? <laughs> bag bag of glass. glass. Wayne Mainway. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Switchblade, was that the other one? Yeah. <laughs> the Massachusetts nonprofit has been releasing the list for more than 40 years. Uh, among other things, a realistic toy machine gun, a pogo trick board, a Yeti teddy bear, and a pull-along caterpillar toy for instant, uh, infants made the list. Uh, the reason all of those, they present choking, eye, and other safety hazards. They're also citing products that have inconsistent and inadequate warning labels. The organization says the Nerf Ultra One gun, which is billed as firing soft darts up to 120 feet, shoots the projectiles with enough force to... Put your eye out. Thank you very much. <laughs> also says the warning label on Flybar's Pogo Trickboard tells kids to wear protection, but the product's packaging features a child using the device without wearing a helmet or anything what about else. A bag of dirty needles, bag of used oh. needles, anything like that. You guys, when you were younger, probably you're probably too young, Chris, but John, Joe, maybe you ever play a yard game called Jarts? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the that funnest, your eye out. coolest game ever. Basically, big. Um, air, what would you call them? A heavy arrows? Metal pointed tips, yeah. Arrow. yeah. Right, with yeah. plastic fins. Oh, I played that. And then you yeah. put a hoop, I don't know, 20 feet away, and you kind of underhand toss these, and yep. the weight of the head would, would make them stick into the ground. And if, if, you're, if one hit your foot, you got a one-inch oh, yeah. hole in your foot. Oh, you got a cast on for six months. It was the yeah. funnest yard game yeah. in the whole world. So then you get bored with that, and you start throwing them at, at each other. Mm-hmm. But the weight of the head would always, you'd never be able to actually hit what you were throwing. It was great, great fun. I, I never threw them at anybody. No. I, I but depending what age your children are, shop for Christmas at EcoFun Motorsports mm-hmm. in downtown Forest Lake. Uh, not only are all the electric assist bikes on sale, marked down for the end of the year, but all the Yamaha snow products are now available. And this great, uh, this great uh, for three-year-olds, uh, an electric bike for grandkids as young as three. You can check that out on uh, check that out on YouTube. But I said all the uh, electric assist bikes are on sale, including the fat uh, the Real Tree Camo Fat Tire Bike for hunters, the Yamaha electric bikes. Are uh, four to five hundred off MSRP. Bentelli e-bikes are on sale, on sale starting at seventy nine, seven ninety nine and up. And wild side old school motorcycle looking, uh, looking electric bikes are all marked down to nineteen ninety nine while supplies last. Great service. You want to need a helmet? They'll get you a helmet. Great service at EcoFun too. Tim sends a truck through town when needed. Picks up your scooter or your ATV or your side by side or your motorcycle or your electric bike. Takes it back to EcoFun, does the repair service and returns it to you. You can't miss it. It's right downtown Forest Lake on Highway 61. There's still uh, still some dry pavement out there, so get in for your test drives at EcoFun Motorsports. Yeah, in fact, Kenny, I'm looking at the Jarts game, and my dad and my uncles would get all full of old Milwaukee at family gatherings and start firing these things around the backyard. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they were. It was a fun, fun game. They don't make them anymore. No, you no, can't do it. Now they'd have Velcro or yeah. some other. Do you guys see the uh, obits today? A woman that I, I never knew, but I've always admired, passed away recently. Her name is Miriam Barr. 
she was the rowing coach for the U of M. Really? And the only reason I, I knew knew of her is because I'd see her working her magic on the river mm-hmm. every spring. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as they were able, these rowers for the U of M would get out, and they'd be huffing and puffing up and down the river, and she'd be following them in a uh, little fishing boat with a megaphone yeah. just screaming at him. <laughs> yeah. And I always loved that woman because I'd see her from the Ford Bridge, I'd see her from the Lake Street Bridge, I'd see her from the Franklin Avenue Bridge. And uh, evidently she passed away early November. And you know you're a big deal when Jim Walsh of the Star Tribune writes your obit. Mm-hmm. But the very end of this obit reminded me of, of you, Sushere. Um I'll just read this final paragraph. Dozens of bear... Bears, rowers, and colleagues have filled an online condolences page with stories of their gratitude and her passion. One wrote of an Easter morning training session. A couple of rowers asked, can we end practice a few minutes early? Miriam says, why? The rowers, well, it's it's Easter and we'd like to go to Mass. Miriam, long pause. God's everywhere, right? <laughs> right? Okay, pray in the boat. Let's go. (laughs) But it was quite the sight to see these kids, you know, in these long, long boats with uh, all these kids in there huffing and puffing, and she's following behind. How old was she in a in a fishing boat? I believe she was born in forty three. Not that old. No, not really. Seventy six. Seventy seven. Yeah, she was seventy six. Yep. Uh, one of 11 uh, siblings, hmm. but services have already been held. But uh, it was always fun seeing her from the bridge. Hmm. In Georgia, an investigation reveals chaos in the cafeteria at Cedar Grove High School last Thursday. Everything caught on camera. Tia Watkins said school police injured her son's arm trying to restrain him in the altercation. My children were targeted, she said. They were not involved in nothing. They restrained my son for no reason. They took his arm and pulled it back and broke it. Plus, she said her daughter was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct for checking on her brother. Why did all this start? Well, it was a food fight. Started over comments made about chicken wings and ranch dip between a lunch lady and a Cedar Grove student. We're losing our minds over food all over the country. It's the Samer theory. Yes. People are going nuts about dip. Parents say both the student and the lunch lady were arrested. Joel Edwards is a longtime DeKalb County resident. He's appalled by what happened. He said, we need some good leadership in these schools. I'm hoping parents can step up because it's their children. It's their kids in these schools. It's an incident which Watkins and other parents say they will take to the school board next week to make some complaints. When President Trump boarded Air Force One to fly to Kentucky uh, two weeks ago, the plan was in place for him to give a final approval to a Ban on most flavored e-cigs. By the time the president landed back at Joint Base Andrews outside Washington, though, the plan was off and its future now is unclear. For almost two months, momentum had been building inside the White House to try and halt youth vaping epidemics that experts feared was hurting as many as 5 million teens. Both First Lady Melania Trump and Ivanka Trump, the president's daughter, pushed for the ban. But as Trump sat surrounded by political advisors on the flights to and from Lexington, he grew reluctant to sign the ban. He told them he was convinced it could alienate voters who would be financially or otherwise affected by a vaping ban. News conference scheduled by Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar to announce the ban was canceled. More meetings with industry leaders and lobbyists were proposed, according to officials. 
Trump tweeted last week he'll be meeting with vaping industry reps, medical professionals, and others to, in his words, come up with an acceptable solution to the vaping and e-cigarette dilemma. The White House is yet to announce a date for a meeting, and they had no comment about that Did you see story. where he went to Walter Reed Hospital Saturday? Yeah. Hush, and, hush. And, uh, and the excuse was he's starting his 2020 physical, Yeah. Uh, and then he'll finish it some other time. That doesn't ring true. But yeah. he was walking around. I don't know what's he, wrong. Yeah, he walked to the car. Yeah, yeah. It was strange, though. It, was, it looked like a very, one of those, you know, the Secret Service agents. Right. Everybody's rushing around. and uh, Maybe he had an anxiety attack. Does he get those? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he does now. Yeah. <laughs> and Minnesota Attorney General Keith Allison leading a group of 19 states' attorneys general encouraging the Federal Trade Commission to bar non-compete clauses in employee contracts. Non-competes, as everybody in radio knows, are added to contracts <laughs> to prevent workers from seeking employment in other companies within the same industry. In a Friday, November 15th letter to the FCC, the attorneys general say the clauses deprive workers. But, 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 stop, shut up. I make better, Me, I make better money when I sign that non-compete. I'll, I'll take the non-compete. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, who take. is he trying to protect? Because here? you don't well, sign the non-compete unless they give you a little something-something, at least in our business. Yeah, I never had to sign one. Go so ahead. They didn't care if I left. Well, <laughs> you didn't light your hair on fire enough. That's a problem. You had to really play the knucklehead. Um, uh, in the letter, the attorneys general said the clause deprives workers of their freedom to use their labors as they choose. Now, they uh, they weren't talking about radio people and stuff in the, in the letter they sent. Uh, they were talking about uh, things like home health aides, uh, sandwich makers, baristas. Yeah, that's who, completely unfair. Do baristas have to sign? No, that's that. They, he, Ellison's right on this case, and that that's unfair. But for, a lot of people in the healthcare industry do that. But for uh, those of us that took a bigger paycheck, you know, in yeah. turn for signing the non-compete, it was worth it. Hell yeah! So if I signed a non-compete, I could have made more money. Well, if it wasn't offered to you, John, it just wasn't offered to you. Ouch. Wow, that hurts. Right. I Actually, I said a go compete. Go, Yeah, please, go compete. <laughs> Letter says non-compete clauses. I'm unaware that signing one clothes. got me more dull. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's mm. probably a lot of things about your contract you're un- you were unaware of. Right? Wow. <laughs> but hey, man, he was the greatest, yeah. man. It's about 75 pages long. Yeah, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Did you read the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Word for word. Oh, yeah. Speaking of reading, did you get all the dates right for the Molar event? I do. It's underway now at Gavaday the, uh, in Come downtown Minneapolis. And then beginning November 29th through the first of the year, uh, the uh, Thanksgiving begins at the uh, Edina store and the uh, Ford and Cleveland store in St. Paul. You buy anything. Uh, you get $250 a gift certificate for any purchase of $500 or more. Fantastic. Yeah. Is this the part where Rookie talks us out? Pretty much. Pretty but, much. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, don't forget to visit Fratelloni's Ace Harbor and Garden Hey, everybody, stores. I'd just like to remind you, the Family Family uh, Roundtable <laughs> podcast, where we sit around and pull each other's fingers, uh, can be heard every, I don't know when the hell we recorded it in the middle of the night on that Sunday, today. and uh, it's released or dropped sometime, I don't know, dropped. Monday or something, and... We've got a new contest in place where you send us this and we'll send you that. And it's really complicated, but it'll be a whole hell of a lot of fun. And be sure to like us on Facebook or <laughs> Tunes Eye or whatever the hell that is. And thanks for listening and tell your friends and kiss my big fat white butt. <laughs> what he said. Check out glgaragelogic.com. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.